Welcome to Integral Christian Network Podcast, where we explore ways of evolving towards a more loving, inclusive, and embodied mystical Christianity. Hello and welcome everyone to the Integral Christian Network Podcast. We're here again today with Paul Smith and David Pinkston. I'm Luke Healy, and we're doing this little mini-series on devotion. Uh, A few conversations here to look at um, an evolving sense of devotion, what we mean by that, how we live that out. And um, yeah, we had a great conversation in that in general for part one, and this is part two on Eros. So this is a juicy topic, uh, and we're going to dive right in with uh, something. Paul, I think you had something you want to share to kick us off, right? Yeah. um, Whenever you talk about uh, sex or Eros in our culture, uh, it's uh, it's mixed up with the the purity system of Judeo-Christian uh, culture, and uh, the the purity system was uh, it, you find it in the Bible in, in Leviticus. It was uh, lots of rules about what was clean and unclean, uh, what was dirty, uh, what was uh, what was okay, and uh, in the uh, like they, they had, it was it was a it was instituted to to make the Jewish uh, the the, the uh, Jew, uh, Israel s- separate from everybody else. That this is how they were going to be different, and they would keep themselves pure from the culture around them. And uh, so, uh, when Jesus came along, uh, he did he uh, he dismissed. Uh, directly much much to the purity system uh he uh, he didn't wasn't afraid to touch lepers that was that was made him impure wasn't afraid to let uh, uh women who were flirting with him touch him uh lots of things and um so uh, we 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 have inherited that today for instance somebody says uh, oh, that was a dirty joke. What does that mean? Well, that was a joke about sex. Well, why is it dirty? Well, because we're applying a purity system, sort of clean and unclean. And that's a that's not a clean joke. That's a dirty joke, a dirty words. And all that reflects a culture that is not necessarily Christian. Um, so I, I've, been, I've been thinking about that. And what, what would it be like if we removed those kinds of uh, purity code words and even thinking about that and, and, and those things? For instance, the parable of the Good Samaritan. Uh, the, 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 uh, the, the Pharisee who passed on the other side and wouldn't touch the, the wounded person was actually keep, trying to keep the purity code. If this person was dead, they couldn't touch him. And if he touched him, then he couldn't perform his uh, religious duties. So anyway, so this is what I, this is what I began thinking about for for sex for eros to involve intimacy, it it must be a mutual coming together of people, uh, overtly consensual, motivated by kindness and love, and abuse, manipulation, coercion, or violence of any kind cancels the presence of sexual intimacy. However, the traditional Christian sexual ethic does not consider these issues in any central way. 
But the Christian sexual ethic is constructed around basic purity codes. Heterosexual, marital, procreative sex is considered pure, while autoerotic, homosexual, non-marital, and non-procreative sex is considered impure or dirty. Incarnational theology points the way to people loving one another and not in compliance with purity codes. Uh, one of my favorite scholars, uh, uh, theologian educator, William Countryman, writes this. The gospel allows no rules against the following in, of, in, in of, and of themselves. Masturbation, non-vaginal heterosexual intercourse, homosexual acts, or erotic art and literature. The Christian is free to be repelled by any or all of these and may continue to practice his or her own purity codes in relation to them. What Christians are not free to do is impose their codes on others. I think that's a very profound statement. And uh, that, that, that opens up a whole, a whole bunch of things. Um, and I see uh, out of that, I, I want to mention what I see as four categories of sexual expression. If we take away the purity system and instead we abide by what's loving, uh, what is consensual, what is uh, 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 abiding by our commitments to one another. And uh, the four categories of sexual expression I see are uh, recreational sex, romantic sex, restorative sex, and radiant sex. Let me say just a word about each one, and then I'll be finished. <laughs> the first is recreational sex, which is for play and release of sexual feelings. This includes autoeroticism. And this is play that doesn't violate uh, mutual agreements that we might have with a partner or with someone else. Uh, if, if we have an a, a agreement to not do any of those things with a partner, then, then we would abide by that. But that, that's not a purity system thing. That's a, that's a matter of covenant and agreement and mutual love and respect. The next is romantic sex, which is the bonding that occurs between those who are attracted to one another. And once again, uh, romantic sex should be uh, in the context of the agreements we've made. If, if you have a partner and you've agreed to have an open relationship, you may, might have a romantic sex with, with several other people. If you've agreed to be exclusive, then you would not. But that doesn't, that's not involved in purity codes and systems and culture. Then there's what I call restorative sex, which is the sexual expression that restores the reality of our inherent oneness that comes from merging in physical, sexual, emotional, and spiritual union. This can be a part of those who come together over a period of time in a more stable relationship. This is the kind of relationship that uh, we can experience the restoration of our oneness with another person, 
we merged with them and we experienced that oneness. The, the oneness is inherent in all of us, but we're not awake to it. And so restorative sex, that kind of sexual relationship, a deeper relationship, can restore that sense of oneness, at least with one other person. The fourth is what I call radiant sex, which moves from eruptive orgasmic sex to more of a continual flow of passion to and from the three faces of God as our beloved source and includes all of humankind and nature. Uh, Tim Weedman and uh, Maruska Vizek write, we can choose the path that allows us to flow as eros and not spend it in all in one thrust. Instead, and thus instead of consuming and being consumed into transitory rapture and thereby obliterating all of our boundaries, we can begin to explore their permeability. I call that radiant, radiant sex. So what do you think? This is the first <laughs> I've, I've uh, offered this to, uh, to uh, Luke and, and uh, uh, David, and uh, be interested to see what you think about that. Well, Paul, there's so much there. Um, <laughs> that's amazing, wonderful, lovely. I want to unpack a lot of it. Uh, and that quote there at the end that you brought forth is from um, an article in this series uh, from Tim Weidman and Marushka Vizek. And um, definitely recommend everyone reading that. We'll, we'll maybe wade into that in a, in a little bit. But I want, to, I want to back up first. I want to go all the way back to the beginning. Um, and I, uh, yeah, I want to spend time in each four of those. But I want to, I want to go back and first ask, like, what... You seem to be kind of using them interchangeably, sex and arrows. Is it the same thing? What's different? How do we, um, is, is that something when people talk about arrows or of course the word erotic, right? Kind of leads us there, but um, are those basically the same thing? Do, is there a difference there? Are we using that language kind of interchangeably? Uh, I think in popular understanding, they're the same. In academic understanding, there may be some, some, uh, 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 shades of meaning different from eros, but the pop the popular word for eros is sex. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we're 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 welcoming that. We're bringing it forth. We're we're stepping out from underneath the purity system, uh, underneath the repression. I mean, uh, you know, you talk about the purity codes and the way that that's been passed down, and you know, some of the things that we've released, like uh, I think most people eat shellfish today, or um, maybe some of those other <laughs> purity codes, right from uh, from from old old Hebrew or or um, Judaic law in that sense. Right. But there's others. I mean, it's still associated deeply with Christianity, right? Even that word Puritan, puritanical right here, those of us in the U S right. Kind of carry that lineage of, um, of this sense of, of being buttoned up, right. <laughs> of being, uh, of being repressed even, right. That a lot of that is, is still kept under the surface. So we're bringing that forth We're we're unbuttoning, we're, we're opening up, we're, <laughs> we're, we're bringing it forth in conversation here, which is so good and so important and so vital, even if it, you know, even culturally, right. Not Christian, right. With the, there can be, um, I know a lot of social media sites, right. They have to, they have to be careful about how they talk about sex on there. Cause they'll get labeled like explicit or, 
you know, have some censoring or things like that. So this is, this is one of those topics that people, um, even some people listening, right. Might be a little uncomfortable or, or kind of a, a curiosity of like, Oh, how do we, how do we talk about this? How do we engage it? How does this intersect with our spirituality? Um, while also still kind of holding a lot from our past, from our, our own journeys sexually and erotically and, um, and how that's played out in our lives religiously and, and personally and all of those things. So I just want to bring that to the table, bring that to bear, um, you know, and just, just start a little personal, right? Like I know Paul, you've had a long journey with that. I've heard you share your stories and, um, I might be willing to open up a little bit about that as well, but, uh, <laughs> let's start, let's start maybe there, Paul, if you could talk a little bit about your past with repression and, and how that's informing you in, in all of this. Well, you, you're bringing up a really great point right here at the very beginning, which is uh, Christians don't talk about sex. Uh, you know, we, 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 close, we, we talk about romance, but, but not about sex. And so it's a taboo subject. And it's uh, uh, recently in our WeSpace groups, you know, we've, we've been talking about it because I've, I've written about it. And uh, sometimes there's a lot of silence. <laughs> And people hesitate, and and I, and I'm also I want to say, uh, if 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 talk about sex is triggering for you, uh, p- please please feel free to not listen to this, uh, because I, I, we we want to be aware. There's so much abuse around sexuality and sex uh, that that even talking about it can be more than just embarrassing. Uh, but it can be uh, triggering for people and, and, and healing is needed there. So be be aware of that as as we talk about it. Yeah. And I just want to reaffirm that again, like that. um, Yeah. That the repression puts it in the shadows, which creates the, the circumstances for abuse to be more rampant and more present. So anyone who's experienced that is, you know, unfortunately that can be really common in religious, uh, Christian and otherwise, right. Uh, settings and and backgrounds. So, um, that's one of the reasons why we're talking about this, right. So that can be open. So it can be something that, that doesn't have to be hidden in the shadows and, and maybe foster more abuse. So, uh, yeah, that, that's really crucial. Thank you for, for bringing that up, Paul. Well, you were the one that brought it up. I just elaborated on it, so I thought that was <laughs> well. Giving that permission, yeah, that's yeah, crucial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah that uh, that it was so affected me that uh, uh, thinking and talking about sex uh, myself for the first many years of my life uh, was not comfortable, and I was in deeply repressed state around sexuality and all around my sexuality. Uh, I, uh, because, because it was, uh, I was a good Christian young man. Uh, I didn't mess around with girls because I followed the purity code. I thought that's what I was following. It turns out I wasn't interested in girls, but I didn't know that at the time. So the purity code was a nice cover up. Uh, I, I thought that's what I was doing. And I got married on the basis of that and I had two kids and uh, it took until I was 60 to finally uncover the fact that I was gay. I was when I was able to think about what what it is that is uh, sexual to me 
that had to do with the same sex attraction. And uh, I was not even able to think about that or uh, uh, feel that. And that 20 years of therapy and uh, stuff is what that took for, for me to finally do that. And uh, I, in one sense, I look upon that, I think, oh, my gracious, I, I went for half of my life denying who I was as a sexual creature. That's terrible. Of course, the other thing is, well, I love my life now, so it got, got me to where my life is now and, and my partner of 20 years, Ivan. And uh, so, you know, I, well, I can't say everything becomes uh, 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 stuff for the, for the male of evolution. Uh, but I, I, don't want, I don't want anybody else to have to go through that. Uh, so I consider it really important that we be able to have safe places to talk about sexuality. And uh, the stuff I just said here, I, I wouldn't even have thought about it for the first 50 years of my life. And uh, uh, I, 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 if I was still pastoring a church, I'm not sure I would have brought it up, even if I had thought about it. Because we have risky. people yeah. <laughs> fainting in the aisles or running out saying heresy, heresy, dirty, dirty. Mm, uh, yeah. But I think what we have now in ICN is some people who have progressed so far beyond that, that this is this is this is wonderful. And our, our talking about devotion here recently has shown that people just like, oh, this is so wonderful. It, it, it helps my spiritual life. It brings life and vitality to my spirituality. So we have a we have a whole new congregation, and I I'm, so I feel I feel permission. Yeah, them. well, that's what I was thinking, Paul. I mean, when you've shared that with groups and with people, and as you write about it, I mean, people feel that permission. They feel that freedom to be like, oh, okay, I can, we can talk about it here. Even if there's still a little right uncomfortability and struggle and opening up, we're still getting past a lot of that. And and a lot of us still have, you know, shadows or things that are, we're still working through, but, but the permission and the freedom to really explore it is so crucial and so huge. It's, it's not necessarily saying this is the answer. This is the way we're not trying to present an alternative code, right? It, I mean, there are things that we're bringing forth here of, of doing it in a healthy way. Um, Cause that's, what's important. I feel like um, among a number of other things, but the, the sense of like, when you open up, when you, when you go outside of the purity code, I feel like often there's kind of this big swing toward like, okay, that that's all, you know, been holding me back. I'm going to, I'm going to trash it. I'm going to break through and I'm just going to be wild and free, right? Sexual liberation. Here I am, you know? Um, and, and maybe sometimes we need to do that. Right. Uh, but, but also I think that's scary to some people and, and wanting, you know, a sense of what does this look like in a healthy way? How do we, how do we, um, live it out in ways that are loving and consensual and, and, and offer, um, you know, opportunities for deepening commitment and spiritual engagement with our, our life of being devoted to others, being devoted to God and engaging with this in, in healthy and, and holistic ways. So, um, yeah, I just love that we're having this conversation. <laughs> and I would say the description of a sexual liberation, wild and free is true. As long as we're, uh, we're being, uh, committed to our agreements that we have with people that, that, it, that if we have a partner and we have certain limits on our expressing our sexuality outside of that, 
that 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 we're not we're not free because of those commitments. If we want to be free, then we we change those commitments and move to another another thing. And the, the, that freedom is is not uh, less Christian. That freedom is also Christian as long as we're paying attention to our commitments and to not not hurting those that we love. Yeah, and and entering into that in ways that are. Um, as you said before, loving and consensual. And I think that, um, and I'll bring in some of my own story here in relation to that. Like um, I grew up in the, in the uh, yeah, evangelical purity culture of the eighties and nineties, you know, which was very, um, <clears throat> yeah, it was the thing. Um, so, you know, purity rings were, were kind of the yeah. age. A lot of the girls, you know, uh, the whole I kiss dating goodbye thing was right in my heyday. And boy, I know a lot of men have really hated, hated that author. I won't even bring the name here, but it was just like, what do you mean you kiss dating goodbye? I, what, what, that, that made it harder for the ones who didn't kiss dating goodbye. Like they made that decision. That's not <laughs> the pool is small. I know I can't date, you know? Um, and, and all sorts of stuff again, more, more closeting it, more hiding it, more, it all had to be right in the shadows and, and, and just a, another formulation of the purity code, right? I think different generations, different ages experience that in different ways, but it's still that same energy. And, um, you know, that, that for me led into, um, you know, my, my marriage, uh, which, which was a real wonderful commitment, but I was thinking about how, um, our vows were reflective of, so we've been married for 10 years now, Heather, my wife is, is lovely and wonderful and, um, love, love our relationship. But, um, we've talked about this lately, that the vows that we <clears throat> entered into together, you know, we kind of searched in the, in the liturgies, the church books, we didn't, didn't like write our own necessarily, but kind of tried to draw one that, that was a bit reflective of where we were coming from and where we were at at the time. <clears throat> and now 10 years later, it's like, Hmm, <laughs> I uh, okay. Well, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if that's definitely not the way we would frame it now, you know, and, and, and thinking back even like that was given by the church, right? Here's a, here's a way that we're supposed to commit to each other that, that, that sort of falls in line in a sense with the, with the code in, in, in certain ways. So, you know, we've talked about writing new vows or renewing those, but just like not renewing, like recreating, right. Where, who are we now? How do we enter into that in a conscious and loving way and, and, and decide that. And, and that can be a, you know, just a, a, a process for people. Um, to, you know, the pure, the nice thing about the purity code, if there is any nice thing is it's, it's, it's given it's okay. It's, you know, it's all there. It's, we don't have to do any work. Like it's, it's, it's kind of unconscious in that sense. And so like a lot of things as we evolve and increase in, in complexity, uh, it requires more consciousness from us to engage in ways that are, that are loving and healthy and sometimes messy, right? Like it can be messy to, to have that conversation with a partner about, um, well, are we, are we monogamous? And what, what about polyamory? I mean, just all these different elements, it opens up the, the, the floodgates to, um, to some things that can be kind of scary. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's just a bit about a little bit of my, my, I more I could share, but, but that's, that's head into that, those four forms. Cause I think that's a really nice framework to work with, to engage with, to, um, you know, something to go off of, right. Not saying everyone has to agree with this exactly. It's not a new code, but I loved how you brought that forth recreational, romantic, restorative, and radiant. Um, so that's, as we were just talking about sexual freedom and release a you know, recreational, recreational being the first one. Um, 
That's that's great. We, you mean we can do that? We're we're allowed to. Uh, <laughs> we can have fun. We can have fun with sex. Is that okay? <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yes, yes, uh, yes. Indeed, that's that's the that's the uh, sexual expression that's playful and it's for the release of our sexual feelings, and it includes uh, autoeroticism, masturbation. Uh, and it can you includes, say what autoeroticism is just to clarify if, if anyone doesn't know autoeroticism? Well, that would be stimulating yourself, uh, sexually. And, uh, uh, that's, uh, that's been, uh, that's been a great taboo. Uh, it's kind of a, everybody does it, but nobody talks about it because it's, you're not supposed to do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so when we, when we, yeah, when speaking we, of evangelical purity culture for uh, teenage boys. Yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's the shame, the shame, the amount of shame that so many people held. It's just crazy. Oh, they wrestled with being terrible and, yeah. and the, the, the secrecy and all that terribly unhealthy stuff. And when, when, as countryman says in the gospels, there's nothing that says you cannot uh, use play as a, as a sexual play for the release of your sexual feelings with yourself. And you can play with others uh, as long as you're not violating uh, their trust and the trust of those that you have, uh, have, have commitments with. And as long as you're mature enough to handle the, uh, the power of sexuality. So I, I'm not suggesting that, uh, immature kids dive into uh, uh, wild sex. Uh, they need some guidance there because it's a very powerful thing. But uh, but playing is is uh, is a release of sexual feelings, and it's a it's a wonderful gift. It's a wonderful gift. As one of our we space people says, it's a vibrating gift. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, our, 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 that unnamed woman is Joe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and it belongs. It's it's part of the spiritual. I want to break down that dualism, right? In the sense of like, we're not just having recreational fun as sort of this this um, you know bodily release, or you know that yes, but that is also spiritual. Like that's not like something that's separate from our spiritual work, from what we're doing in in um, you know in an incarnated way that that, that it's still not a separate thing. Like, like what you're describing, all of that is also spiritual. It is indwelling in our fully incarnated self as sexual beings, right? Yes. And it would be, uh, if you play football, football could be spiritual. So that's a part of our incarnation. So it it doesn't have to have a, uh, uh, a sort of a conventional spiritual atmosphere to it. It can, it can be just play. Yeah. And even like our, our groups in, in meditation, our we space groups. I mean, sometimes we say like, uh, you know, just because it's spiritual doesn't mean it can't be fun. You know, like we yeah. can play, we can laugh. It's uh, there's joy in it. Right. <laughs> there we are. There we are. Genuine, genuine play is healthy. It's spiritual. It's incarnational and it's beautiful. Yeah. 
Yeah, definitely. Wonderful. Okay. So second one, romantic, romantic. And so that's the, the bonding of, of two people coming together. This is the, the relational engagement in Eros and sex with, with another or others. Um, and this, is this, is this kind of your standard typical, uh, relationship stuff, Paul, or is there, um, is there a broader kind of framework in that, that we, we want to contextualize it? Well, it would be uh, romantic sex would mean you're attracted to, to this person or people. And, uh, but there's no, uh, I don't think there's any qualifying about uh, how many people that might be or what the, what the context would be, but there's a the romantic element. And so it, it involves a degree of intimacy and a, it's, uh, it's not as light as a recreational sex. It has a deeper, deeper meaning and uh, the beauty of being in love, the beauty of romantic attraction and expressing that sexually, that's, that's, that's wonderful. That, once again, that's a part of our, our spirituality and part of our learning about our uh, emotions of romance and, and our, our sexual expression of that. So that's mm. the way I'd put that. Yeah, that's great. And also kind of breaking down a dualism that can also exist between like monogamy and polyamory, right. And kind of this, this, this fight back and forth or this, it needs, you know, we've been culturally conditioned in this certain way and we need to do it this way or, you know, vice versa. There, there's sort of the, the freedom to, um, to move into that, that relational connection, that bonding, that, that heart love, right. We're, we're bringing the heart in here and, and that, that can, can look intimacy and love can look a lot of different ways. And, and we're, we're just seeking to, um, right. To, to, to engage in that relational connection, to, to deepen into that energy of love along with that sexual expression, right. It, it's moving a little deeper and we might, we might even say it's integrating a little more between our, you know, that Eros womb sexual energy and, and the heart coming together. Um, there's, there's kind of like a, a maybe a, I don't want to say it's more full or, or more complete, right. But it, it's bringing online a little bit more. Is that, is that fair to say? Yeah. Yes. Yes. For instance, we, if we, we think of somebody who has a lot of sexual encounters, we may think, well, that's just, they're just wild or they're addicted to sex. Well, there, there's nothing more addicting than sex. So <laughs> what we, what, what we have to look at is they may be, uh, ha have an addiction that's, uh, attached to something else, but sexual pleasure is by its very nature, we want more of it. It's addicting. And so to we look at the fallen woman. What does that mean? Well, that means a woman who has a lot of sex and may enjoy it. Why is she fallen? Why is she impure? Why is she dirty? Well, she's not. She's not. She just enjoys her life. She enjoys her sexuality. Uh, now, if that involves pornography, um, some some pornography is not consensual. That is, people get involved in it in non-consensual ways. But much of it is, I'll volunteer, that gay pornography is very consensual. The, the, the men involved in that, they enjoy doing it. They enjoy the money it makes. And uh, that's, uh, I would not classify that as a romantic sex, although sometimes it can be. It's more like uh, recreational sex. Uh, and uh, 
we shouldn't see that as some sort of a bad or evil thing, but that would be reverting to the purity system again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I also too, I feel like it might be good to these four, four aspects are not like a hierarchical rise to like the better, more pure expression of sex, right? There's an integral or uh, um, each one has its own place and it's, and it's, it's value that holds in conjunction with all the others. Right. Great point. Thank you for, thank you for making that point. Very important. Yeah. So, so the third one restorative, right? Restorative. And so this is merging into union and oneness. Yeah. Yes. This is, this is what can come uh, from uh, partners who've been together a long, a longer time or from a married couple. Uh, And, uh, it's uh, the, the merging that occur, goes on there with the same person. You get to you get to experience a a deeper uh, kind of, of, of connection that uh, reflects our oneness with uh, all humanity, our oneness with God. Uh, it it uh, is very easy to see the spiritual implications of it. And so that's why I call it restorative. What it does for us is it restores the the inner union we have, we were born with, with God and with humanity, but we are not awake to, we, we're, we're asleep. And so when we experience that union with one other person in this, this atmosphere of love and stability, it awakens that merging and uh, uh, makes it a, a, a more uh, uh, deeper uh, inner inner kind of uh, spiritual work. Mm-hmm. How would you say it? <laughs> yeah, well, I was just you know feeling into a little bit that um, you know sometimes it's it's tied into that moment of rapture, right? That that instance of of orgasmic release, and like in that moment, there's there is kind of this this fullness of all right like <laughs> a, yeah. a, a dissolving of your your separate consciousness if you will or that that really intimate connection with the other person or um you know and and that's like a, a singular momentary thing but it points to a timeless reality right it it, it enters us into this way that um yeah that that we could say is is in touch with uh, the ultimate reality of, of who we are and how we are. Right. So like even, um, especially on kind of the, the, the male masculine side, right. You have that moment of release. And then afterwards it feels like a little death, like a, like a coming back to your body, like a sense of, of, Oh, you know, like, and sometimes that, that gets filled with shame or, you know, from the purity system or other codes, those are the, 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 the other side of it are those moments where that comes in, but in a holistic restorative erotic, uh, you know, engagement in that we, we enter into that oneness as sort of right. The apex and the, the, the way down is, is just as important as the way up and it, it all belongs. It's all part of it. And, and the oneness and the union is still there, even if the felt sense of it, the, the pleasurable sense of it is, is, is changing. It points to that reality in a, in a timeless way. Right. That's maybe well, what I might well, say. Well said, uh, <laughs> David, you're a happily married man. Is there? You have any thoughts about any of this so far? Well, too many thoughts. Um, I, you know, I agree. It's not hierarchical. But one of the things, maybe, to add some nuance to 
how this how I'm hearing this conversation and and what's coming up for me is that it does feel like it's reflective of our uh, process of uh, deification that it there is some aspect of this in a non-hierarchical sense but certainly in a in the sense of a journey a journey doesn't have to be a hierarchy but in early in the journey spirituality or our our recognition of divinity in our lives does can be recreational it can be yeah. you know what am i getting out of this i'll become religious if it does this for me i'll get saved or whatever it is the that the the phrases are that we that we might use and if we keep faithful to the path, we there is eventually some kind of attractive nature to God, however we define God to be. And if we stay faithful to that romance, that initial divine attraction, there is a purgative effect that happens. Now, I want to be careful because purgative can have a moral connotation to it, which is not what I'm talking about, but there's a restorative nature that the closer we become, the, the more we become absorbed by divinity in all its orgasmic, romantic, uh, lustful, um, unifying experience, um, there is a purging that says, you know, these are the ways in which I resist experiencing divinity or experiencing myself or experiencing the other or others. Uh, and that when we get to radiant, it actually includes all the previous experiences you know, and I don't live there all the time, but, you know, when I'm in those rapturous moments, um, you know, that, that life is radiant, that, that love in all its forms is like the candle that goes to light another candle. When, when a candle goes to light another candle, it doesn't lose itself when it gives itself away. It just simply mm -hmm. adds to the other person. And so if you apply this within the... Um, an eros quality of, of spirituality, we are lighting other each other up. It doesn't always have to be purely sexual, but it certainly includes that. And I, I will say really quick, um, Paul, when you were unwrapping this earlier, um, it reminded me a little bit of uh, St. Bernard's Four Loves, uh, that St. Bernard, not the dog, but the, the saint, said that the spiritual journey is... It, we all start off loving self for self's sake, uh, loving God for self's sake, loving God for God's sake, and then loving self for God's sake, and which the fourth one can kind of sound a little odd, but there's this complete radical self-acceptance. And the more that we love ourself the way that God has loved us, that rapturous, orgasmic, blissful radiance uh, that that sex, the sexual nature to to existence itself, this erotic eros nature to life, uh, is pure gift and it's pure absorption and pure giving and pure receiving and those barriers that we learn to lower in the restorative uh, forms of eros uh, have largely healed those those blockages or those um, those experiences. So I, I I hear it. We don't want to create a hierarchy out of it, but I do see that as we journey farther up and further in <laughs> that that, <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> that that we yeah. that 
that we <laughs> we do experience. And I want to say that, you know, that the radiance includes the three previous experiences. So it can be recreational. It, it is romantic. It is restorative. It's not judging or analyzing those according to, you know, what it was, but what it is in the moment. I don't know if I'll read the, um, the C.S. Lewis quote the same again ever again farther up and further in. Is that that's that that's how where that comes from? Right? Chronicles of Narnia. I apologize, everybody. <laughs> we had to get some sexual innuendos in there. Had to had to come forth. In the right? midst of our spiritual talk, we are playing too. We are being that's playful. Right. And right. thanks for bringing in uh, Saint Bernard. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and I do want to reference uh, Tim and Maruska's article uh, in, in radio. Are we talking about radiance? Now? Yeah, that's, yeah, we're moving into radiance. Let's oh, do it. Oh, okay. Uh, there, there we move from a eruptive uh, orgasmic sex to a more of a continual flow of passion to and from the three faces of God. There's a, there's a, a, a movement, a flow from, the face of God beyond us that has a certain quality of, uh, of eros. There's a movement and flow to God beside us that is represented in Jesus and Mary and, and other saints and guides and one another uh, that is, uh, that, that is beyond just a momentary explosion of sexuality, but is more of a continuous, yeah, as, as uh, Vivian says, uh, that, that that our eros becomes a spiritual resource, that it connects us uh, to one another, and then uh, the uh, the relationship to God being us, which is that our 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 sexuality and our uh, playing with that and our enhancement of that and our feeling sexual and our feeling sexuality beyond orgasm. And one of your favorite words, uh, Luke, permeability, is uh, it, it permeates uh, many, if not everything, and gives vitality to it, and it 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 truly radiates. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And their their article is a wonderful exploration of that through each of the three faces of God and and how that eros expresses as devotion. And so, you know, we'll have that linked in the show show notes description here to 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 read because there's there's a lot of depth and beauty in that that they bring forth, and and really connects to what you were saying, David, about <clears throat> how all of these things are integrated and are a part of it. Right? There's um, sort of even in each of the three faces, we can kind of connect into to some of that right the the intimacy these are the main words we use a lot for three faces right intimate infinite inner or incarnate right so the intimacy with and the engagement in that sharing like you were just saying paul of 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 relation with another with a form of the divine uh in flesh or otherwise right human or spirit right the and the, the coming together of that the bonding, the merging, the, the deepening through that, uh, the, the infinite, right. The infinite face of God and that expression of, of continual, um, pursuit 
and an extension and expansion and, and kind of the, the infinite bliss, right. Of that, <laughs> that flow as it, as it goes into, to eternality, into all, uh, and then the, the inner or the incarnated, right. It's the, the owning of that, the coming into it, the, the flow from within. And that's actually going to be the topic of our, of our next podcast, our third part of the series on Eros, which is kind of these, these new acts of devotion coming forth, uh, from that interface of God, how we live that, how we live from devotion. So we're going to kind of dive into that in the next podcast. There's so much more that we could have said about Eros. There's, there's so much in this, the energy of it, the creativity, the engagement, the connection, right? Um, so we are just kind of opening up this conversation. I mean, Paul's already been opening it up through these articles. This is alive and present in our community. I encourage you listening, whether you're a part of our community actively or otherwise to um, to open up to this, to find that freedom, um, to, to, you know, give yourself permission to, to grow in this area. Cause it is crucial for our lives as humans, for our spiritual lives, for who we are, for how we relate. And so whatever that looks like engaging with, um, you know, writing about it or, or, or bringing it into we space or community. Um, we just really encourage that cause it is such a, an, a crucial topic and, and thing that needs to be healed and integrated for us. So thank you, Paul, for bringing this forth, for opening this conversation. Thank you, David. Um, it's been really lively, wonderful, enlightening, and um, erotic. So. <laughs> <laughs> right. Amen. 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 <laughs> thank you all. Amen.